Hey, it's Tony Bruschi. When you're not listening to this podcast, be sure to check out one of our others, like this one, The Grave Talks. Every week, I talk with individuals who've been affected quite intimately and personally by the supernatural. We hear their stories one-on-one in our conversations. In fact, here's a 15-minute preview of one of this week's two new episodes of The Grave Talks. And if you like it, just search The Grave Talks wherever you download podcasts and press subscribe. Today on The Grave Talks, is death that different? A conversation with Linda Brooks. Linda Brooks, as a young girl, often wondered who the mysterious man was that hung out outside of her door. Because she appeared very lifelike. She was initially confused about what to make of him. Was he alive? Was he dead? She'd soon discover that the mysterious figure she'd encountered was, in fact, on the other side. This particular individual, however, had no malicious intentions. He was just trying to locate his late daughter, whom Linda resembled very much. For most people, this encounter with death would be very frightening. For Linda, it wasn't, and it was the first of many. It would also be the first step towards learning more about what awaits us on the other side, a life that might not be so different the one we live here on Earth. All of this and more in today's Grave Talks, conversation with Linda Brooks. Um, I think initially the interest started at a very, very young age. Um, I had my first what we call paranormal encounter uh, with spirit at the very young age of seven. Um, And this happened in the house that I lived in. Um, And what happened was um, I actually had uh, with this he was showing himself in shadow form basically um he was male uh, i definitely could uh, sense that just from that young age uh because obviously i could see hear and sense and feel spirit so i had a lot of the senses already quite open at that very young age so it was easy for me to gauge that he was a man um he just presented himself in very dark shadow form but obviously the outline of a person a human being um but he kept waking me up every single night um at the bottom of my bed um and obviously it got to the point where it was getting very uncomfortable because he would make me um feel very paralyzed i couldn't scream for my parents to come and help me out because he was getting so close um and i was literally petrified going to bed because i knew he would come back again and again and again and i just didn't understand the reason why um and what this was all about what it was i was actually seeing at that time you know being so young um and it turned out um that my father had actually also had this encounter with this um, gentleman in spirit as well. Um, I didn't know about this until I was a bit older when my dad actually sat me down and had the talk when we were reminiscing about our times in this particular house and what we experienced as a family. And it was only um, in that time frame when I was old enough to understand, he had explained to me that he also um, had the same encounter with this gentleman in spirit who presented himself the same way as I'd seen him um, to describe him. It just sort of like had a, a top hat and a very dark cloak. Um, but you could see the outline of his shoes and his trousers as well. So you knew he was actually clothed underneath the cloak as well. And he's wearing like a suit. Um, and my father was saying to me, it got to the point where it, it was really getting 
been very uncomfortable even for him um, because this gentleman would actually come into his bedroom after leaving mine. Um, it was just literally a little landing space at the top of the um, the stairs. So you literally went out of my bedroom to the top of the landing and straight over to the next bedroom where my parents slept. Uh, and he would actually go in there and sit on my dad's bed on his side only. And my dad would feel him breathing on him which really disturbed my father because obviously he wasn't a great believer of anything spiritual. Um, he was uh, very sceptical. So obviously um, it wasn't something he would embrace. You know, it was something he just flatly delighted. You know, once you'd passed over to him, that was it. That was the end. There was nothing beyond that. Um, and certainly his perceptions of that changed dramatically, as you can imagine, um, because of what he experienced in this house. Um, and as I say, uh, every night he would end up having the same occurrences just as I would with him, this the spirit gentleman standing at the bottom of my bed. Um, he would only wake me up. I shared the bedroom with my sister, who is uh, five years younger than me. He would never get her to wake up or she'd never stir, never cry, nothing. It was always me. He seemed to walk in the room and automatically wake me out of a deep sleep. Um, and with my father, when he was getting to the point where he was sitting on the bed and breathing on him, um, it got too much for him. And he said, no, we're going to have to leave. We can't we can't possibly put up with this. It's getting too full on. And obviously, my dad not knowing what he was experiencing, neither um, because of his sceptic um, background with not believing in this type of paranormal or anything beyond death. Um, it was very uncomfortable for him to take that um, that to the step where he couldn't understand it, couldn't uh, explain it. And he couldn't rationalise it either, you know. So he was in a in a situation of panic, I think, more than anything, because he wondered what this thing was that he was seeing and whether this was going to be a case of if he'd come that close to him while he was sitting at the bed, bed and, and breathing on him, what else was this uh, particular entity uh, capable of doing, which was one of the things that really worried my dad the most, um, was the safety aspect of the people in the house, including myself and my younger sister, as well as my mom, who'd never ever saw anything like this. Um, again, she was always asleep. It was just my dad and myself that used to be targeted quite regularly every night with this. Um, and one night he actually followed, he was brave enough to actually follow this entity after he got up from the bed. Um, he'd walked out the door and down the stairs uh, towards the bottom end of the staircase. And my dad was brave enough at that point to say, look, I need to know where, what is this thing and where is it going? So he actually followed it and he'd followed it all the way down to the bottom of the staircase around by the lounge area um, that we had at the time. And at the, around the side of the lounge, we had what's um, known as a basement in American terms. Well, it's a cellar known in the UK term. So it, this thing actually went down the cellar steps into the basement area. And it just disappeared into a wall. Um, and it, it just was defined thinking, I, I can't believe what I've just witnessed, you know, this thing going through the wall and just disappearing. How is that possible? Um, so from my dad's point of view, he was always um, very much on edge after that happened, after that encounter. But with me, that was an awakening in a sense because... Um, I knew what this thing was. You know, I don't know how I knew at such an age, but I did. Um, and obviously it was at that point onwards that I actually began to start seeing other spirit entities and spirit people. Um, and obviously they would come and talk to me. I would talk with them. I would communicate with them. Never felt that uneasy like I did do with that particular entity. I don't know why I felt that way. I don't know whether it was the energy he was giving 
or whether it was the fact that he just looked sinister in the way that he presented himself. Um, but other spirit people were very easy and comfortable to sit down and talk with. So I didn't really feel um, out of my depth like I did do with that particular character. Wow. Um, but with this, there was a little bit more to the story with okay. this. Um, some years later, my grandmother, who's also very spiritually gifted at the time, she's no longer with us, bless her, but she was very open to spirit. She could see, hear and sense them as well, which I think it was a generational thing as well, where we, we sort of like had it passed down the female generation. And she was telling me that she knew who this particular gentleman was. Um, and she lived next door to the house that we were in at the time. And she says, I, do, I need to probably sit down and have this talk with you because I think I know why you're seeing all these things. Um, and I know why you saw that particular entity in your bedroom and why it kept waking you up. Um, and she said, I think we need to have a chat. So I thought, oh, this sounds intriguing. You know, I was obviously a lot older at that time. I was, you know, in my teens. So I was a little bit more able to absorb the information she was giving me and understand it a little bit more. Um, and it turned out this uh, this gentleman did actually live in the property that we were in, that he was appearing in my room. Um, and it turned out that he had a younger daughter who was a very similar age to myself, um, very similar hair colour, uh, very similar in the way I looked uh, to his daughter, uh, which triggered, I think, a memory in him to bring him back. Um, sadly, his daughter, he lost. Um, she passed away. And when she was brought um, to a swimming bath where the local area, we had a swimming baths area where children could go and swim. He'd actually brought his daughter to the local swimming bath area. And um, to to, uh, cut a long story short, she actually dived in at the shallow end of the pool and hit her head um, at the bottom. And sadly, she died as a result of her head injuries. Um, And obviously, he never forgive himself for the accident that his daughter had and obviously he had made himself responsible for her death because he didn't he didn't do the right thing in supervising her or it was a case of he thought that she was diving in at the deep end rather than the shallow end um and obviously all these things were tormenting his mind as he lived on when she had passed over um so much so it got to the point where he couldn't live with the torment so in the end he actually took his own life he committed suicide um, and it turned out he'd hung himself on the back of our bedroom door. Wow. So my, my grandmother knew this because she was the actual woman who went into the house and found him and actually cut him down. Yeah. How did your, gran- that, that, how did your grandmother that, know him at the time to... to- were they friends? Were they? Uh, yes, they were friends and obviously neighbours at the time okay. as well because she lived next door to them. But he had a disabled uh, wife. Um, obviously, he went to work um, and my mother helped look after his disabled wife as well as working herself. So he'd get in later on in the evening time. So she would make sure that his wife was OK before he got home a few hours later. Um, obviously, um, she was pretty much bedbound at that point. So um, they always made sure that she was kept enough, you know, and, and that, you know, because obviously they had no central heating back in those days in houses. So obviously she always made sure that she'd got the blankets over her, um, that she'd have a light on in the house when it started getting dark before the husband would come home from work. So my grandmother was always in and out the property to help look after his wife. Um, but at that time, his, his wife... Um, when, you, when she went in to see her, obviously, and sorted her out, 
um, she came out and she heard the husband go in because the houses are terraced houses. So literally the walls are so thin, you'd hear a, a you know, a, a little knock, you'd hear it quite loud. So she heard, um, obviously, a sign from him. He used to always knock on the wall to say, I've arrived, I'm in, in the house, you know, um, and I'm back from work. So um, that was their little signal to know that everything was okay. So she like, you know, thought, oh, he's back home. She's going to be looked after. That's fine. Um, I can enjoy the rest of my evening. Um, and it was only um, as the time went on that um, his wife normally had a, um, a hot drink at a certain time in the evening. I think she had a hot cocoa drink to try and get her off to sleep. And she'd always had it at a set time in the evening. Obviously, her husband would be back from work by then and would bring the the cocoa up to her to um, to give to her. And obviously this night, he didn't come upstairs. So obviously she thought that was a bit odd because she knew he was in the house. She knew he was back from work because he'd already came up and seen her. But the fact he didn't come on when he's usually so regular on his timekeeping, you know, you could set your watch by him. He was so stickler for time. Um, and it turned out, obviously, he didn't come for a reason. He was no longer with us. He'd, he'd already hung himself in the in the ba- in the bedroom on the back of the door, unbeknownst to her, who was in the other bedroom. And of course, she couldn't get out of bed to go and check where he was. So in the end, she ended up having um, a stick that she could knock on the wall to get my grandmother's attention. So if she needed anything, and obviously she was on her own, she'd knock on the wall for my grandmother to go and see to her. That was her signal to say, I need some help. So anyway, she knocked on the wall, which my grandmother felt was a bit perplexing because she knew that her husband was already in there, you know, so she didn't understand what it was that she might well have needed that he couldn't sort out for her. Anyway, she went around to the house to see what the problem was. And as she went upstairs into the bedroom, um, the lady said to her, you know, I don't know where my husband is. He hasn't come with my cocoa. I'm not sure what's happened. Um, Can you go and find him for me? Because I don't know where he is. And of course, she knew he wasn't downstairs because she'd come through all the downstairs to go upstairs to the bedroom. So obviously there was only one other place that she had to check. And that was the bedroom opposite to where his wife was. And obviously when she went to push the door, she couldn't get the door quite open. There was a weight obviously hanging on the back of the door and she didn't know that at the time. So obviously she wasn't a massive lady. She was, you know, uh, quite small in stature as well. So obviously the door was quite heavy for her to try and push open. And she was a bit perplexed what was stopping the door from opening as well because there's nothing behind it. Um, And obviously eventually she just gave it one big mighty shove. And as she did that, she heard his shoes bang on the back of the door. And she thought, oh, my God, no, don't tell me that's what I think it is. And she'd already sensed that there was something wrong. Um, And, of course, as soon as she walked in the door and uh, switched the light on, there he was with the rope around his neck. And he'd actually hung it over a hook that he'd put on the door and um, he'd kicked the stool from underneath him. And and it was just hanging there. Um, And obviously my grandmother knew he'd he'd been passed away a few hours because obviously the colour had started to drain from him. And um, obviously the the only thing she could do was to go and get something to cut him down and obviously uh, ring for some help, you know, get some help to come to her because obviously she knew that there was nothing could be done. You know, he had already passed away. Hope you enjoyed this 15-minute preview of one of this week's two brand new episodes of The Grave Talks. To hear the rest and get new episodes every Monday and Tuesday right in your podcast feed, search The Grave Talks wherever you download podcasts and press subscribe or visit thegravetalks.com.